Welcome to the Next in Health podcast. I'm Igor Belikronetsky, a principal at PwC Strategy End, where I help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today we're going global. Now, pharma and life sciences companies have a tremendous opportunity to save and improve lives of patients all around the world with their innovative new treatments. And this is so powerful to have that opportunity, but with great power comes great responsibility. Responsibility to the patients, responsibility to the shareholders, responsibility to the regulators and legislators, and responsibility to operate within the increasingly more complex global environment. And today we're going to cover this in depth with two great guests. We have Nalnish Gore. He's a principal in our cyber risk and regulatory practice, and he helps life sciences companies develop and execute their strategies in China. And we also have Ben Ri, who's a principal in our enterprise strategy and value practice. And he likewise helps pharma companies think through their China strategies. And recently they published a really interesting article called How a Local First Strategy in China Can Help Global Pharma and Life Sciences Players Reduce Risk and Drive Growth. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. So Nalnish and Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Igor. Thanks, Igor. So I really appreciate having you here on the podcast. And so at some point you woke up and you talked to each other and you decided to write this perspective. So what prompted that? What was kind of the trigger for writing this article? And then we'll get into the more details about what it's about. Thank you, Igor. It's a good way to get started on this conversation. So what we saw was multinational companies that were confronted with new compliance regulations, both by the U.S. and China. Furthermore, the risk and opportunities landscape continues to evolve for MNCs doing business in China. As we talked to MNCs, we learned that localization was becoming a key cornerstone of their strategy to address the compliance, risk, and opportunity landscape. But as we considered the approaches that these companies were taking, we realized that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to localizing. From a business lens, China is a market supplier and producer of innovation. Companies simply cannot ignore that. There are a lot of rules, but if a company is trying to cure people and save lives, it needs to find a way to safeguard itself and expand within the market. So Ben and I considered writing a paper to lay out the strategic options for pharma companies that are considering localizing in China. That's very helpful. And so let's start getting into this. As an organization considers a local first strategy in China, let's maybe start with what are some of the no regret moves? What are the things to do that are important and necessary to do no matter what other choices you make? Yeah, thanks, Igor. Look, if we step back for a second, what we do know is many life sciences companies came to China years ago, and most of them came seeking to tap the vast commercial market, the economical labor and raw materials costs, and also a solid talent pipeline. But over the years, we're seeing changes in geopolitical situations. We're seeing higher costs and also a lot of new regulatory requirements that are coming both from Western countries like the United States and also China, right? And all of these are resulting in challenges or challenging business projections compared to even just a few years ago. And as such, this has driven a lot of companies to kind of think about the best way to enable a China strategy and often a holistic local first China strategy 
to help safeguard and expand their business in China. So I would say some of the no regrets key questions or things to think about are as follows. Number one, what are some of the assumptions that led your business to go to China in the first place? And have those assumptions that led you there changed recently? So some of the changes might include geopolitical risk, regulatory developments at the governmental and national and local levels, changes to various economies, compliance issues, supply chain issues, and also even just health or demographic factors. So second, as you consider those, which of those issues or assumptions now require scenario planning and new plans to help mitigate risk while also enabling business continuity? Third, what are the benefits as well as costs of creating a more independent local entity? Should that be one of the solutions that you're thinking about? Some of these benefits might be tax benefits, increased patient access, increased agility and speed in the market, higher product sales, greater sustainable growth. But on the flip side, some of the additional costs of becoming more local might be incurring costs to duplicate certain corporate functions and systems. Fourth, if the Chinese entity, you make a decision to think about them in a more independent, local, and separate manner, some companies are thinking about pulling them out of the Asia-Pac market segment. And beyond just thinking about China, should companies think about that, thinking through the implications of managing China as a separate entity from a P&L structure standpoint that's separate from the rest of Asia-Pac can also be an interesting topic to manage and think through. And then finally, as you think about the new opportunities that a local first entity or strategy might enable, so what are some of those new opportunities that now exist should you go that route? Would your company and organization be open to new deals, new types of joint ventures and collaborations with local Chinese companies, and also potentially other multinationals that might now view your firm or local entity slightly differently? So I would say those are some of the things to start thinking about. I'll add a little bit of a technical flavor to what Ben just talked about and a few things to consider. One, localization will likely involve localizing certain business systems that have remained global when companies first started moving into China and have remained global. And what you do with those individual systems is really a matter of taking a look at those systems and deciding what are the options you have. But there are some no regret options that you can take with regards to infrastructure. And what we like to see is developing a infrastructure blueprint that includes everything from VPN, storage, virtual machines, and firewalls. And thinking about how that infrastructure is going to use to facilitate the business systems that are in use by entities in China and globally by an organization. This requires a lot of thought, and that's why we recommend a blueprint-based approach And then once you have a blueprint, then it's a matter of executing on that blueprint to de-risking and localizing the business systems. Excellent. So very helpful. So let's say that you've done this, you have got the blueprint and you've done the no regret things that Ben has discussed, which is understanding kind of what your objectives are, what scenarios could arise, what are the implications of making different choices what are the options in front of you? And now it's time to start making some hard choices. So what are indeed those strategies that organizations can pursue? What are their different ways to play that they could consider? Sure. So I think typically we see three big options that are often considered, right? The first one is you could decide to transform each function 
on an as-needed basis due to local requirements. So, for example, if there are local requirements in China that necessitate a change in how the function operates or is served, companies may consider transforming just that specific function. Some examples include creating a China-specific CRM system due to Chinese data and privacy laws that require localization of data. Or in some cases, the development of duplicate manufacturing or supply chains to comply with local content requirements, which in particular is more applicable at the moment to med devices and equipment as opposed to pharma. But those are some examples of transforming individual functions as needed due to changes in the local requirements. Second, we're also seeing that some companies create an entity that's still owned by the parent, but really operates as a standalone entity. So it's effectively a Chinese satellite of the parent company. While I've not really seen this happen yet in life sciences, there are other industries where multinationals have effectively duplicated most functions in China and created separate Chinese units from the rest of the organization. And that provides significant flexibility for the entity in China to tailor capabilities, functions, and processes to compete at a local level in China, but also provides an option to fully localize or spin out in the future. The third option is really fully localizing and spinning off the Chinese entity. And this option is particularly prudent if a company decides to exit the market or potentially just participate by holding shares in the spinoff or through licensing deals. Now, just to be clear, I have not seen this happen in life sciences yet, and I don't foresee that happening as China continues to be a major building block or component of life sciences businesses. But it is something that we have seen in other industries when regulations and things dictate the need to do so. Yeah, what I want to add to what Ben just said is, if you look at all these options, these are not simple options. They're more or less complex in their own ways. And, you know, as you think about these options, you have to estimate what the localization effort is going to cost you. What we're advising companies to do is to determine the business systems tied to each option. So, for example... A pharma company that only wishes to localize their commercial function would do well to review its business systems that support that commercial function, the associate processes and the people that impact, and then determine what is the estimate to localize that function. And using this approach, our clients can understand the true cost of localization and use it as an input into funding the localization effort. So this is a helpful overview, and it sounds like do nothing is not an option. You really have to make a specific set of choices that are well considered. And it sounds like also the choices that you're making for how to play in China would have an impact, not just on what you're doing in China, but also on kind of your global enterprise and footprint. And Ben, I think you started getting into the specific function. So I'm curious how some of these choices would impact different functions across the value chain, like your R&D, your supply chain, your IT in China, but also elsewhere the company may happen to be operating. Sure. So let me hit a few, and now Nish, maybe you can hit a few as well. So from an R&D standpoint, local R&D in China really allows companies to create more tailored products for the Chinese market. Historically, we've seen global R&D focus more on certain disease states that might not fully align with China's agenda, given the global nature of R&D for many of these multinationals. That being said, should you choose to have more local R&D, there are questions around how much technical control do you impose 
on the process? Should you limit access to global systems? Or how can you think about protecting IP? Are all important issues that need to be addressed and resolved as you think about local R&D in China. For supply chain and manufacturing, many companies, not just in life sciences, are rethinking their supply chain and diversifying their supply chain. Especially as the global medicine supply becomes a national security issue for many countries, this in particular can come under regulatory scrutiny. As such, as you think about supply chain and manufacturing as it relates to China, there's the diversification of the supply chain beyond China, but also to supply and be successful in the China market, especially in med devices, enabling and complying with local content requirements can require significant components of the product to be manufactured in China. And for those companies that are impacted by that, it will require some transformation of their supply chain and manufacturing strategy. The final space that I'll note is commercial, right? A lot of companies already have a specific Chinese commercial focus. They have a local Chinese GM and a local Chinese sales and marketing strategy. Having a local entity can actually provide even greater autonomy to deliver even more differentiated messaging and pricing to the Chinese market, which can help with uplift and capture greater volume also. So those are some of the things that a local first strategy for China can help across those functions. Now, Nish, any more you'd like to add? Yeah, thanks, Ben. I mean, I think from an IT and data perspective, I'd like to hit on a couple of points. So one is the IT department at the multinational companies have to be prepared to transition the business to a local instance of the business system. Now, in some cases, a like-for-like option may not be available, and that actually introduces additional complexity. Sometimes a global platform is simply not available in China, and you may have to rely on a local platform to provide those services. And that creates for some interesting transformation and integration issues for the business to continue operating in an efficient manner. And secondly, one must not forget that the data in these systems must be carefully governed to maintain compliance with China and U.S. compliance regs. So data has to be considered in the journey all along the way so that you're compliant when the full transformation is completed. Now, Nish and Ben, this is a really helpful guidance that you're providing here for organizations. This is truly one of those cases where what you don't know can hurt you. And so I really appreciate you laying out both the strategic and the risk considerations for organizations that are trying to figure out how they're going to play in China. And again, a reminder for everyone that there's a lot more detail in your article, how a local first strategy in China can help global pharma and life sciences players reduce risk and drive growth. So thanks for joining today and for the great conversation. Thanks, Igor. Thank you, Igor. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please subscribe to our podcast, and that way you can be sure to get all the great future episodes and listen to all the great past episodes. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.